I've been so encouraged by Church 21 in 2020. This has been obviously um, the toughest year for many of us. Uh, it was my toughest year, uh, personally, um, ministry-wise. Uh, just not a year that I'm excited to uh, to repeat again. Um, but yet, we've seen the faithfulness of God in so many different ways throughout 2020. And I've been so encouraged by you, the way that you have been so flexible. We were sending out new new changes, new places we were going to meet. Uh, time differences, uh, different leaders, a video sermon, live sermon, and you were just all so flexible with all of that, and you really were the church, and you are the church, and so as much as this sucks having to do this from my kitchen into a camera again, I'm so thankful for technology, and I'm so thankful for you, and I know that you are there watching, and that you will have an opportunity to participate together. Uh, So we're going to do a scripture reading this morning, and I'm going to do the scripture reading from Psalm 136, and this is a good reminder of us, or for us, coming out of a year like 2020 and going into a year that we're not quite sure what it's going to look like. And so let me read Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully, and his faithful love endures forever. He spread the land on the waters, and his faithful love endures forever. He made the great lights, and his faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule by day, His faithful love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. His faithful love endures forever. He struck the firstborn of the Egyptians. His faithful love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them. His faithful love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, his faithful love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever forever and led Israel through his faithful love endures forever but hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea his faithful love endures forever he led his people into the wilderness his faithful love endures forever he struck down great kings his faithful love endures forever and slaughtered famous kings his love endures forever Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. An inheritance to Israel, his servant. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our humiliation. His faithful love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. I hope you got the point of what the psalmist was trying to communicate there. That regardless of the circumstance that people were experiencing, his faithful love endures forever. And so with that in our mind, fresh in our mind, let's go to prayer. God, thank you that you are our dad. Thank you that you are a good God who loves us. We come out of a year of trials. We come out of a year of frustrations, of disappointments, of discouragements, of opportunities to rejoice, of blessings, of celebrations. We, we all have different experiences from the year that we just came through. And yet, here we are meeting your faithful love that will endure forever. You, you are so good that you provide us with technology to allow for us to still be together when we're not together. You allow for your word to keep going out when it seems like it should be quarantined. Thank you that your love is not quarantined. It is not bound by time or space, but it is relentless. It is, it is more viral than any virus could ever be. That your love is finding people in the confines of isolation, and you're unlocking your beautiful steadfast love for them to not just know about intellectually but experience and we pray that 
for, for our church this morning, that we would viscerally taste and see the goodness of who you are and what you're about, that this wouldn't be a mere exercise of sitting in front of a computer or a television at 10 a.m. because that's what we're supposed to do, but rather we're engaging you because you're in our living room. You're running after our affections. You're coming at us so that we would understand who you are and that we would be able to know you as our God, as our King, as our friend, as our Lord, as our rescuer. And so we're needy this morning. I'm needy. I'm needy. I, I'm, I'm not interested in just speaking to a camera. I want for you to speak through me and to me, and I want to enjoy you, and I want for my brothers and sisters and people who don't yet know you to get to enjoy you this morning wherever they're at. So would you do that? Would you keep technology going? Would you uh, keep things from glitching? Would you allow for your words to become potent and not just make it into our ears, but also into our hearts? We thank you that you are God who is able to do that. And I pray that you would lift, lift COVID. I pray that you would lift the quarantine and the social isolation. And I pray that you would warm our hearts uh, for you and for one another and for our city. So we love you and we need you this morning. Amen. All right, so happy new year. Happy new year. Let's start the sermon part out this way. 2020 was something, wasn't it? It was something. Uh, the new year, every year it allows us to, to make something new of ourselves, we think. We think that somehow when that clock hits midnight, all of a sudden something significant significant is going to change and it's like a cinderella moment where instead of turning back into what we were we turn into something new magically all of a sudden you're in shape because you went to the gym in your basement because you can't really go to the gym or you started running and and those are good things those are great things but it's going to take more than just the first week of the year to change you but the new year allows for us to make it the year of something what, what's 2021 going to be your year? Some of you choose phrases, you choose verses, you choose words. I don't. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm not that creative, but I just don't. Because I'm not sure what this year is actually going to be. What is 2021 going to be? It's a great question. I wish I knew the answer to that. But I do know from Psalm 136 that we looked at that God's faithful love is going to endure forever. So I know that what's best is actually going to happen despite of what I see. Now, uh, when I was part of a church in Maine, um, there was a, a foreign missionary couple that our church was supporting, and uh, their their verse for their ministry was found in Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to say that Hab name. And I want to read to you their their verse for their ministry. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, uh, chapter one. Verse 5, and that's actually where we're going to be this morning, is in this, this little book of Habakkuk. And it says in chapter 1, verse 5, Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. I mean, that's a pretty good verse, isn't it? It's a pretty good verse. But do you know the context of this promise? I remember looking at my pastor being like, wow, it's pretty good. That's powerful. Behold, I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. That's what we want, isn't it? That we want something so significant, so meaningful, so beautiful that we wouldn't even be able to believe it. But do you know what the promise was? The promise that God was making to Habakkuk is that destruction was coming. It's kind of a weird verse to have for your ministry is that, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm, I want to go and reach these people to destroy them, right? I know that they didn't mean it by that, but this shows us a way that we can use the Bible, trying to make it say what we want it to say, but it's not actually saying that thing. You see, the people of Judah were going to experience destruction at the hands of the Babylonians, You see, this new thing that God was going to do wasn't actually going to be a favorable thing for these people at all. The circumstances weren't going to be in their favor. Or as Hunger Games would say, may the odds always be in your favor. This wasn't going to be the best year ever for these people. In in fact, it was going to be years of significant struggle and turmoil and famine and frustration and losing the things that they've tried to hold on to. 
it wasn't just going to be a quarantine in their house. It was going to be years of quarantine in a foreign land where they weren't going to be able to, to go where they wanted to go. They weren't going to be able to do and experience the things that they wanted to do and experience. But I want to jump right to the end of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, says this. And this is the prophet actually giving his response to what he's heard. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. And then he ends very strangely, it seems choir director on stringed instruments. So what Habakkuk is saying is bad is coming. I I know bad is coming, and I don't know how bad it's going to be. And even if none of our produce is producing anything, even if our flocks are no longer our flocks and they aren't around anymore, even if everything that we were holding on to before is gone, I will celebrate. And it's not because of the circumstances that I can see with my eyes. No, no, no. It's because of the unseen reality of who God is. He says, God is my rescuer. Now, in part, but later in full. That I'm going to celebrate because I know who my God really is. And though I don't see his finished work now, his finished work is surely going to come to pass. And even in the midst of the most frustrating circumstances, I have the strength to be able to walk in near impossible places. The, this animal, this deer that he's talking about, isn't a, a nice white-tailed deer. It's a deer that, that walks along the edges of cliffs that if you and I were to walk these edges, we would probably fall. But the way that their hooves are, it allows for them to be able to walk on treacherous territory and be fine. And this is what Habakkuk is saying, that this is a type of God that we have. This is the type of empowerment that we have. And Habakkuk ends the book by saying, sing about this, write songs about this. Be singing about the faithfulness of our God in the midst of destruction. Now, we don't wake up in the morning when things are going horribly and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I can celebrate today. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm like that little deer with the hooves walking on the, on the path. I'm so glad that I'm like that deer. I need a picture of that deer over my bed so when I wake up, I can see it. Get one of those projector clocks so you can see that's what I'm like. No, no, it's really hard for us to remember that that's how we can live. So the question is, how are we supposed to be reminded of promises like these? Well, Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 4, The second part of verse 4, he said, but the righteous one will live by his faith. The righteous one will live by his faith. Well, what is faith? What is faith? We all have faith. We have faith that gravity works, which is why we don't jump off of high places. We have faith that, that oxygen works, which is why we don't go into places filled with carbon dioxide or monoxide. Right? We have faith all the time. But what is it that we're supposed to have faith in? What is it that Habakkuk is actually talking about? Well, let me go to Hebrews real quick, which is a book in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, uh, toward the end of the New Testament. We don't know who the author of the Hebrews is. Um, I don't even know why I'm mentioning that other than I just am trying to bide time as I'm moving forward. But Hebrews 11, uh, verses 1 to 3. These are powerful. Now, faith, here it is. Faith gets defined for us. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. Now, hope, it means confident expectation here. It's not this, oh, I hope, I wish that I get this Christmas gift. No, no, it's confidently expecting, like I already looked at the Christmas gift. Faith is a reality of what is hoped for, 
the proof of what is not seen. And, and here Habakkuk comes in. For by it, our ancestors won God's approval. Right? Our ancestors being guys like Habakkuk. And then verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. This is what faith is. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not yet seen. We understand our world not just through a touch, taste, feel, hear, but through faith. And look at what the author of Hebrews goes on to say in, in Hebrews 11 verse 6. Now, without faith, now hear this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So without faith, it's not possible to please God. God isn't pleased with our good works alone. God isn't pleased when we, when we don't do bad things alone. You see, it's what faith, it's faith that, that God is actually looking for. And faith rooted in, in what? Well, the author of Hebrews goes on to tell us in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, people of faith, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that is so easily ensnares us, unbelief. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. And here it is. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our, our faith fixed on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. The righteous, those who have been made right by God, not right by themselves. Those who have been made right by God are supposed to live lives of faith. And what does that mean? Lives that are fixed on Jesus. God wants for your heart to be full of Jesus. God wants for your lives to revolve around Jesus. God wants and is pleased with us when we come to him claiming, I need Jesus. So many of us think that God is only pleased with us when we're doing the really good things and not doing the bad things, and that we get to finally come to him and say, look at all the good things I've done. Look at all the ways that I've served. Look at all the, the ways that I was generous. Look at the ways I was hospitable. Look at the, look at the, the people I didn't murder. Uh, look at all the things that I didn't do. I didn't steal from these people. I didn't kill them. I didn't snub them. I didn't keep them away. God, look how valuable I am to you. And God says, that's not what I'm looking for. I want you to come to me just as you are. Don't try and clean yourself up first before coming to me. Now, um, in university, my undergrad degree is in social work, and I did an internship at a methadone clinic. And uh, methadone replaces uh, the same things that, that heroin um, does in your brain. I'm like losing all my uh, scientific words. But the, the things, the, the key and lock that heroin does with, with your brain, uh, methadone imitates. And you don't get high from it, um, but it, it silences uh, the cravings. And so uh, one day, I was sitting in a counseling session with, with a young woman, and all of a sudden she just started shaking uncontrollably. And she starts sweating and, like, gripping her hands really tight. And I look at the other counselor, and I'm like, what's going on? Because I was new at this. I hadn't seen this or experienced it. He's like, oh, she's... Um, she's going through withdrawal right now. And he says, when is the last time that you, that you had a hit? And she said, oh, 24 hours ago. And he's like, 24 hours ago? And he made an immediate, because people can die from, from heroin withdrawal. So he made an immediate claim, and she got to go right down and get methadone and come back, come back up. But he said, we expect you to come in here high. We don't expect you to clean yourself up before you come in to get help. We're here to help you. And God, in a similar way, says, I don't expect you to clean yourself up before coming to me. I, I expect you to come strung out. I expect you to come full of sin. I expect you to come as rebels. Because I can fix you. I can help you. I can change you. 
I'm here for you. You see, God is available regardless of what you see going on around you. You know what we don't need in 2021? We don't need false promises to prop us up. Oh, it'll probably be better this year. It might not. I'm not trying to be the doom and gloom guy. But what if it's not? What if it doesn't get better? Well, what we heard this morning is that his, in, his faithful love endures forever. And even in the midst of everything being removed from us, we can celebrate him. We don't need false prophets to come in. You see, during times of exile, where the people of God would be removed from their land and brought into a different land, false prophets would rise up and lie to them and say, God says this, this year is the year that we become free and liberated. And then a real prophet says, now they're lying to you. And then they try and kill the real prophet because they like what the lying prophet had to say. We don't need false promises to prop us up. We have a resurrected Jesus who propped himself up out of the grave and says, I'll give you all that you need in me. And I'm never going to be absent. I'm never going to be distant. I'm never going to leave you. In fact, right now, you've got to hear this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're trying to keep your kid calm. or You're fidgeting or you're looking on Facebook or you're on TikTok. Or I don't know what you're doing, but stop and listen to this. Right now, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And he says, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm so much better than anything else that you could go after this year. Jesus is so much better than COVID being gone. Jesus is so much better than your RRSP being a little bit more stocked. Jesus is so much better than you finally buying a house. Jesus is so much better than your second vehicle. Jesus is so much better than being employed. Jesus is so much better than anything else that you could have. And so when you think about the things that you want in 2021, if he's not top of your list, then you will be absolutely, utterly disappointed. You see, because he wants for eternal joy and life to be flowing from your hearts so that regardless what circumstance you're going in, you can say, it is well with my soul. And you know what he wants? He wants for you and I to participate with him in his story. He wants for us to participate with him in his story. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to do a little bit of reverse engineering. Okay, do you know what reverse engineering is? It's like a scope and sequence thing. It's like when you see what you want to be in the future, and then you work your way backwards to make that happen. Now, a lot of things you can't control, but there are a lot of things you can control. So the question I want to I linger on for the rest of our time is, how do we finish 2021 like Habakkuk? I can't even say his name anymore. I've tried to say it both ways to appease the both of you that want to say his name both ways. But how do we finish 2021 20, with hearts like Habakkuk, Habakkuk? How do we do that? How do we finish 2021 with hearts full of Jesus? How does December 31st come and we love Jesus more than we do on January 3rd? And I'll say this, it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to organically. You know, I'm an organic kind of guy. I like that. I like when things grow organically. I like eating organically when it's on sale. It's wonderful. But it's not just going to happen. You have to be very intentional to be organic about anything. You see, the sad thing is that many people that started January of 2020 following Jesus are no longer following him. There's a parable that we looked at about the soils and where a sower goes and sows seeds and it falls in different soils. Well, some people, it seemed like they were growing significantly. Everything was wonderful, but then something happened. And ah, you know what? If this is what following Jesus means, is not for me. You know, sadly, we've seen many people walk away from Jesus this year. It's one of the biggest disappointments of 2020. It's been a, a trend you see, I really only know of one way of, of finishing 2021 with a heart full of Jesus. And here's the secret. It's so simple. It sounds silly to, to even say it. But it's to rehearse and embrace the gospel constantly. 
to rehearse and embrace the gospel constantly. Let me read to you what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. He just wrote this, this huge letter, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 uh, in a few weeks. But he wrote this big, long letter, and he says this toward the end. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you. You see, it's, all that other stuff prior to this was important, but let me make this really clear. Which you received, the gospel you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if... You hold on to the message I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Now, pay attention. This is Paul passing on what is most important to him. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. This is what's most important. You see, the gospel is a message, and this is what Paul communicates to us. It's a message that Christ came, he died for us, for our sin, for our rebellion, for our mistake, for our faults. He died for us, he was buried, and he rose. No one else has a story. It's like, hey, what did you do last week? Well, I died, was buried, and I rose, and now I'm here eating chicken with you. Doesn't happen. Never, ever have I eaten with someone who is dead, right? It just doesn't happen. But this is the gospel message, that death itself is going to be put to death. Death and all of her friends are going to be choked out one day, and we are brought into relationship with God. You see, the gospel is a message, but it's also a story. The gospel message in and of itself doesn't really make sense unless you're well-versed in the story that we were made by God to be with him, to work with him, to be like vice regents working in, in his vineyard, working in his earth. And we decided we wanted to work a different way, and we, we sinned and we became rebel workers. We were a competitive company, except our company surely, uh, the stock just kept going down and down and down from the time that we went public. And so God so loves those who rebel against him that he sent Jesus to come and do what we couldn't do for ourselves, to die for us on a cross and rise from the dead so that you and I can be brought into relationship with him. And the gospel gives us a new identity. This gospel says that we are adopted. We are now a son and daughter of God. You are forgiven. There's no more shame or guilt. You can't find any in your house if you are in Christ and you are feeling shame and guilt about who you were, that means that you're, you're buying that from someone else because God's not giving that to you. He says, all condemnation has been removed. I took that from you, my son, my daughter. And you are now beloved. You are, you are a beloved child of mine and you are reconciled to me. And you are an ambassador. And we talked about that at Christmas time, didn't we? You're an ambassador that I'm sending to go and tell on the mountains. Go and tell in the cities. Go and tell in the countryside. And this is what we do. Our new identity is one where we show and tell others. But here's the thing. So it's so easy to make Christianity something that, that we, we do. We do. And we do for other people. But we have to experience this ourselves. Some of the worst salespeople are people that don't believe in their product anymore. Who aren't enjoying their product who are just using it to make a living. And God is saying, I want you to enjoy me. You see, everything we need is in him. Now, let me read something. I armed myself with all kinds of books in case I wanted to read from them. So let me read something to you uh, from Paul Tripp. Uh, It's a book. I take the covers off, but it's a book called Lead. Very, very helpful book. It says this. The gospel will humble you because it requires you to confess that the greatest dangers in your life live inside you and not outside you. The gospel calls you to run to God for rescue because your greatest problem is you. The gospel tells you that no matter how long you've known the Lord or no matter how successful you have been in his work, you need his grace right now as much as you did the first moment you 
believe. The gospel doesn't work to make you independent and self-reliant, but willingly dependent on God and the community of grace he has placed around you. The gospel is made to humble you. So how do we rehearse and embrace the gospel constantly? How will we interact and hear this gospel? Well, a few things. Number one, show up. Show up. November, um, I did with one of my buddies, I did this 300-kilometer challenge run. Um, It was kind of dumb because I'm still dealing with some of the injuries from that. I wasn't ready to run 300 kilometers, but I did it. And um, I didn't like doing it most days. And most days meant that I just got out of bed, put on my running stuff, and showed up and did it. That's most of what life is, is showing up. And as I got into the run, I, I really enjoyed it. It became a beautiful time of prayer and celebration with the Lord. But showing up is so important. Some of us think that a relationship with God is like, oh, I'll read my Bible when, when I feel like it, when, when I feel the feelings. No, show up. Show up. Say, God, I'm going to read today. I, I don't feel like you're going to say something to me. I don't feel like I even want to, but here I am. I'm here to, to hear from you. And let the word of God read you. Now, my question is, what's your plan for this year? What's your plan to get his word into your heart? I, I really encourage people to read through the Bible in a year if they're able to, to make time for that. Because we make time for, for a lot of things that, that, doesn't, that don't bring us life. And God is saying, I want to bring you life through this. So show up and hear from him and do what he wants for you to do. And part of what he wants you to do is to repent, which means you go into reading his word, thinking and believing certain things, and he challenges you and corrects you. And you get to turn from believing and living that way and turn toward living a brand new way and believing new things. This is killing sin. Some of you have a sin that's been lingering in you and it is killing you and destroying you and you are so afraid of what's going to happen if someone finds out about that thing. But you know what? God already knows and he says, if if you'll let me kill that, you're actually going to live in that area. What is it? What is it that you're trying to bury so deep and not let anyone else know? Would you put that thing to death? Because that's an area where God wants for life to grow. There's a tumor that's growing, 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 and is taking over your body. And Jesus is like, just ask me, and I'll remove it. Be killing sin, lest it be killing you. Show up. Read the word. But show up and pray. Show up and and pray. You get to talk with your dad. Some of us just overcomplicate prayer. My goodness. It sounds like you're, you're addressing, you know, the queen of England or something. All of your these and thines and thous, and if that's truly how you pray, then that's great. But when I talk to my dad, I talk very simply. Dad, I love you. Dad, I need you. Dad, I'm worried about this thing. You tell me not to worry, so what's going on in my heart that I'm worrying? Dad, I really want the city to see you. Dad, I'm frustrated with this person. Dad, why isn't this thing working? Dad, why don't I want you? Dad, where are you? I feel like you're not with me right now. Dad, I, I, I'm pleading with my family to know you and want you more than anything. Right? Th- this is a very simple way of praying. God isn't looking for all your formalities. He wants to be with you, and he wants for you to be with him. It's grabbing the hand of your dad and saying, let's go for a walk. Let's run. Let's sit. Let's talk. And don't make prayer just you speaking, because he wants to speak as well. What is the Spirit saying to you? And you're like, I, I haven't heard the Spirit saying anything. I would say, then give it more time. Give it more time. Often, when we begin to hear from the Spirit, it's things that we've heard in the Word of God at one point or another. And those things start to come to life. Make time for the Spirit to speak to you. And the last thing I'll say is community. I'm, I'm being very simple, but let's be simple this year. Show up for, for the word. Show up to pray and to hear from the Spirit and show up for community. Don't neglect community. Don't neglect community. 
you have blind spots that you don't see. But you know what? Everyone else sees about you. Sometimes people talk about those blind spots when you're not around. That's gossip. That's sin. That's not good. But everyone else knows these. It seems obvious, but you just don't see them. And God's given you a community around you, the church, to be able to see these things, to get to rebuke you. You think that rebuke is such a bad thing, but a rebuke can, can help an athlete perform better, help a singer sing better, help a writer to, to write more profoundly. Rebukes are, are beautiful criticisms. And I know that we don't like negative criticisms. We only like constructive criticisms. But we need rebukes, and we need rebukes from people who love us. But the church isn't just to rebuke. The church is also to build up, to encourage, to give you what you don't have, that God has put gifts in the church for you, not in you, but in the church for you to benefit from because you were never rescued just so it could be Jesus and you. Do you know that we don't see a picture of eternity with just you and Jesus hanging out on a rock talking about things? I'm sure that's going to happen. But that's not the focal point. The focal point is the people of God, with God, face to face. It's never just a Jesus and me thing. It's a Jesus and us. So if you're not part of a church, I I would say that this is the year maybe that that you're part of a church. You, You need that. You need that. And I know that some of you, I know some of your stories. I know you've been hurt. I know that you, you've struggled. I know that people have let you down. This is part of Jesus' plan to change you. Because if the church was Jesus, then Jesus wouldn't have to be Jesus for you. The church is broken people with other broken people that Jesus is making whole together. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this to every area of life? How do we let the gospel inform every area of life? Because it's easy to drift in areas, isn't it? It's easy to fix our attention on just a few things. And one of the things we need to keep asking, which I also read in that Paul David Tripp book, is, is what's important to God still important to me? That's a great question to ask every day. Is what's important to God still important to me? Or have I made God Or let me say it this way. Have I made a different agenda that seems godly enough that I can say, oh, this is God's agenda, when it might not be his agenda at all? Is what's important to God still important to me? Or is what's important to me more important than what's important to God? Here's my suggestion. Take a regular day or half day or a few hours of fasting and silence, and solitude. Okay, so that's step one. Take a regular day or half day of fasting, and silence, and solitude. And then work through significant questions. Looking at the different areas that don't come most natural to you. So what I want to do is just quickly, I have this this silence and solitude, Church 21 uh, form. We have a thing on Right Now Media uh, that, that helps you learn how to do silence and solitude and work through these, uh, which you can, if you're not already on right now, media, um, we, we can give you a free invitation. Maybe someone can put that in the public chat box so that someone can get that. Don't go there yet, though. Don't leave me yet, all right? Here are the questions of the silence and solitude, okay? How have you seen God work since the last time you had a time of silence and solitude? And then as you start your day, take 20 minutes to list as many as you can think of. How has God, how has God been working since the last time that you sat down for a day of silence and solitude? And it's going to come slow in the first couple of minutes, and then you just start thinking, wow, God has been so faithful. And then you, you begin working through hard questions. And here they are. And this isn't mine. I adapted this from someone else. But the question is, how is my relationship with God? And then there's a prayer point and an action step. And so the prayer points, I want to understand the Trinity better so that I can have a better relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe you pray about that, and your action item would be, I want to read a book on the Trinity. Second question, is my life characterized by joy? 
Jesus said that we would be full of joy. Is that your life? Do people look at you and they're like, ah, that's what joy looks like. Now, joy is different than happiness. But is your life characterized by joy? And then there's a prayer point and an action step. The next question is, what am I hearing from the Holy Spirit? Prayer point, action step. What current temptations are wooing me into sin? And I would say the answer to this is one that you can't just keep private. You have to let other people know what those temptations are. Not because you're sinning in them now, but because they're waiting outside your door. And if you, on a moment of weakness, you open up that door, they come rushing in. How is my relationship with my spouse if you're married? How is my relationship with my spouse? And what's a prayer point and action step? Do you have a date night? I know that COVID has kind of destroyed so many date nights. But how's my relationship with my spouse? How am I connecting with each of my kids? Don't treat your kids, if you have kids, like a troop. Each one of them are individuals. How am I connecting with each one of them? Prayer point, action step. Next, how healthy am I? Do you, do you weigh what you should weigh? Do you have a good diet? Are you exercising? Are you being a good steward of your body? Now, I'm not saying that 2021 has to be the year of six-packs. But are you being a good steward of your body? Is there something that needs to change in the way that you do this? Because part of your spiritual life could suffer because of your physical life. If you don't have energy to be ministering to people because you're just not eating well, you don't have the stamina to be able to to stay with people in terms of, of conversation because of lack of exercise. Well, they they impact one another. How am I sleeping? How well am I sleeping? How much sleep do you need? Right? Each one of us is different. I'm not going to put my amount of sleep onto you, but what's your bedtime and what's your quality of length and sleep? Don't try and be Superman or Superwoman. Is technology ruling me or am I ruling it? Do you have a plan for your technology? Am I stewarding my time well according to my God-given roles? Do you have a do you have a calendar? that actually lists out, here's what I'm supposed to be doing, and here's the time that I'm doing it in. Am I stewarding my talents and skills well? Am I stewarding my money well, according to God's call of generosity? When you start your budget, don't start with your mortgage or your rent. You start with your giving. What am I going to give to God's work this year? Who am I going to support? What am I going to give to Church 21? What am I going to, like, start there, and then build out the rest of your budget. Maybe 2021 is a year where you're not so selfish with your resources and God ignites generosity that you didn't know was possible. And by the way, giving isn't something for those who are wealthy. It's not just for those who are wealthy. Oftentimes, some of those who struggle most with resources are the most generous people that I know. How is my relationship with friends and extended family? Is What's the prayer? God, bring reconciliation, and then what's the action step? Who or what has been energizing me recently, and who or what has been draining me recently? It's good to note these these things and people in our lives so we can be praying accordingly. Is there any sin that I need to forgive? Are there warning signs that I am burning out? Pay attention. Pay attention to the dashboard of your life. When, When orange lights go off, pay attention. Don't put a piece of duct tape over them thinking they're just going to go away. Am I keeping Sabbath days and remembering silence and solitude? Some people are so crazy about Sabbath days, meaning like there has to be a literal 24 hours. It has Now, I'm not going to say that there has to be, but why wouldn't you take one? Why wouldn't you take a Sabbath day of unplugging, of resting, of relaxing, of sitting in the presence of God for 24 hours with friends or family or people that you choose to bring around you. Why wouldn't you do that? I've never heard a good excuse for that. And then what do I need to stop doing, do less of, or delegate? Next question. I'm almost done. Am I obeying what the Lord tells me in his word? Am I obeying what the Lord tells me in his word? Sometimes we have to write no. And I know exactly what it is that he's pressing in on me to change. Last two questions. How am I doing it part of, how am I doing it being part of community? Am I in community, allowing for community to minister to me, but I'm never ministering to others? 
That's not real community. Real community is people having things in common. And then the last question is, how am I doing at being on mission? How am I doing at being on mission? See, don't just go through the motions of doing a day like this. I know this is probably overwhelming to hear this, this list of, of questions, but this is how we make a plan for the Spirit to, to lead you in the things that He actually has for you. And, and don't worry, He can change the plans that He has for you even after you make a plan with Him. Behind the camera, a dog almost just jumped into the scene, but we caught him in time. Um, let the plans that you make with the Spirit lead you and let Him change those plans if he wants to. So I'll end our time with this. End our time with this. What if God were going to do something significant this year? What if God were going to do something significant this year? Would you be ready spiritually to participate in this? Maybe for some of you, this is a year for you to grow up to grow up in your faith, to grow in your capacity. What if this is a year that the Lord wants to overwhelm you with his presence? And most of it is not crazy mountaintop experiences, but normal, everyday encounters of walking with your dad as he changes you to be more like his son through the power of his spirit. It is really a a faithful showing up and claiming, I'm ready to enjoy you. I'm ready to enjoy you. And then leaving and asking who else needs to enjoy this. Now, I just saw in the comment section, someone wrote that this is a long list of things to do for 2021. That, that list is on a list of, of a day of silence and solitude. And it's meant to reshape our lives because we're holistic beings. We do all these things and we're engaged in all of these things. Definitely isn't a long list. The, the list is to embrace and rehearse the gospel constantly. And these are just how we do it and how we apply it to our lives. So I'm going to open this up to, to questions now. Questions that you might have about any of this stuff that we have just gone through. And while I'm waiting for those questions uh, to come in, uh, I'll just say that we, we get to respond. Uh, unfortunately, we don't, we don't get to sing. I mean, I could sing, but I don't know how pleasing that would be to, to us this morning. Um, but we, we get to respond through uh, giving ourselves again to Jesus and saying, Jesus, here's my heart again. I want you to, to overwhelm me. I want you to, to be uh, the focus of my life. And I want for, for this year and every year that comes after it to be a year where I watch my life and I watch, watch the teaching. Watch my life and watch the teaching that I believe, the things I believe. Because I want to I finish well as a follower of you. So we give our lives to him. And maybe you're watching this and you don't, you don't know Jesus and you want more information about that. Well, you can, you can click for prayer. Um, if you're on the church21.online.church button, or you could send us a message on Facebook, and we would love to follow up with you about how to be a follower of Jesus. Um, as people who are involved in Church 21, uh, we get to give. It's our privilege and opportunity and, and responsibility of being part of the people of God. And so there is a, a give button, um, church21.ca slash give, and I believe that is a button at the top of our online um, site. And so these are all, all ways that we can be responding to him. All right. So tips for staying focused when trying out silence and solitude. Yeah, that's really, really great. Um, when I first started Days of Silence and Solitude, I would bring a, a journal, um, and I would, I would open it up, and there would be two pages in front of me. And one page was all my distracted thoughts. And so anything that came up during the day um, around the, the, uh, the distracted thoughts, I would write down on the right side. So it's like, oh, I need to make an appointment with a dentist. It's like, write that down. Oh, I need to uh, follow up with this person. I need to write that down. And by putting that, like getting that out of my brain and onto that side of the paper, it allowed for me to stay focused um, 
on the plan that I was actually working through. Now, for some of you, you love nature. You love to be out in nature. Uh, maybe it's a um, maybe it's a bike ride that you do, and you get out somewhere and then have your day. Uh, maybe it's it's a run that you do. It's a hike. It's a kayak. It's a cross-country ski, and you bring these with you, and you stop, and you answer them along the way. Um, some of you love doing this stuff in a cafe because you can focus, no problem, doesn't matter who's around you. I'd say you have to be in a place where you're able to be away from the normal things of life that you're normally bombarded with. Uh, you have to shut down technology. Uh, I would tell my wife when we first started, uh, listen, I'm going to shut off my phone for two or three hours at a time, and so um, I'm just going to be unavailable, and then I'll check back again, and, uh, and then I'm going to shut it off again, and it would need that, that time. Um, so those are just some tips, but go to a place where, where you can focus, where the normal stimuli isn't around you, shut down technology uh, as much as you're able to, and have a plan. You don't have to use the silence and solitude plan. It doesn't matter to me. It's just a holistic plan that won't allow you to just focus on the areas that you want to focus on because you're comfortable with them. It will challenge you in other areas as well. Um, where is a place or places we can go to practice silence and solitude during the winter lockdown? Uh, well, if you're not in physical quarantine where you have to stay in your house, uh, there's lots of places outside, and there are these um, if you have warm winter jackets and whatever, uh, then you can be outside and do this. Um, I, would, I would highly suggest you doing this outside as much as you possibly can. Um, yep, that goes along with the next question. How do you do silence and solitude during COVID? Most places are closed and your house is full of kids. Um, if you have, I mean, this sounds strange, but if you can make a deal with, with your spouse that you will take turns doing this, and if you have... Uh, sound-canceling headphones, and you can put those on, it's like you're completely alone. And if you have a balcony that you can sit on, uh, it's like you're in the great outdoors floating. So um, you can do this. Um, it's just we have to be creative uh, with this this reality. You see, when we, when we only see life as like the limitations and challenges that are brought to us instead of the opportunities, then we get really frustrated and we say, oh, I could never do this. Uh, but we, we are able to figure out small, creative ways to be able to to do some of these things it's so it's so freeing um can you speak to the intersection of faith and trust what about when we have faith but we have trouble trusting what god has planned for us as good yeah i mean there's all kinds so faith being that thing that we're we're fixed on him and trusting him uh that he is good in the midst of of this um you're not always going to feel the feelings of this um this is where, when we said remembering and embracing the gospel, how do we interact and hear the gospel on a regular basis? Well, we, we go to his word. We don't go to our subjective selves um, that, that have um, fear or trust or commitment issues. Uh, we go to his word, and we allow for his word to begin to break down barriers of, um, uh, of our trust issues and our abandonment issues and our is God actually going to come through. And it says uh, in Matthew uh, 28, that they went, his disciples went to the mountain to, to worship the one that, that they called the Messiah, right? Peter was there. He identified him as the Messiah, the rescuer, the one to come. Um, and it says, but they doubted, but they doubted that, that God isn't looking for a life free of, of doubt from us. I think that God invites us into his presence with our doubts. In fact, if you're to read the Psalms, you're going to read a lot of questionings. You're going to read a lot of doubts. Um, and Lamentations, which I, I almost read as our scripture reading uh, this morning, but I thought that would be weird to start out uh, the year uh, by reading Lamentations. But let me read that for us now. Not all of it, but Lamentations chapter 3, because um, Jeremiah has experienced horrific things uh, from, from God, really. God put him into... Uh, and put his people into into these places. And it's he says things like this about, about God. He's a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He pierced my kidneys with shafts from his quiver. He ground my teeth with gravel and made me cower in the dust, right? That that's pretty massive. But then we get into verse 19. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. 
I continually remember them and have become depressed. And this is where the turning point is. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning, right? This is that idea of rehearsing the good news of who God is every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. But then he goes on a little later, and he goes into some of the same, the same things again. So Jeremiah is on this, this path like this with, with faith and trust and doubt issues. And, and so this, you're not alone going through this. But what do we do? Well, we go to his word for this. Um, how to have a more genuine and intimate relationship with Jesus, and then will the holistic plan help me to accomplish this? It, to have a relationship with anyone, um, time has to be involved. Um, we, we, like, uh, we like microwave things. And we say we don't, but then we, we do. Um, we, we like things that are fast and they're instant gratification. And, and oftentimes that's just not how the Lord works. It's not how he changes us. And this, uh, this plan, again, there's nothing magical about this plan. This plan uh, that I'm suggesting to you is, is putting you in front of the good news of who Jesus is and who you are in him so that you're reminded of that at the forefront of everything. And then that begins to, um, it begins to inform this plan. So if, if, you, if you have a bad relationship with your spouse, that's not your identity. But the power of the gospel says that there's forgiveness and reconciliation that's available even for that relationship. So will you take the gospel and bring it into that relationship? How well am I sleeping? Well, why aren't you going to bed early? Well, because I, I'm working more so that I can get ahead with this. Are, are you trying to control that? Because the gospel says that you don't have to control this any longer, that, that you sit under a sovereign Lord who's in control of everything. So you could actually maybe go to bed earlier because you don't need to be in control. You don't need to get ahead in this area. And, and I'm not trying to make a prescription for your life in this question, but you can't, you can't have a, a deep relationship with anyone without time. And so it's not just a verse and a day and being on your way. It really is sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is where Mary, Mary and Martha, the, the sisters, where, where Jesus encouraged Mary to keep sitting there. Right When Martha was all upset, why isn't she helping me serve? Serving's a good thing. None of us would argue that serving's a good thing. But Jesus is encouraging Martha to, to be more like Mary. Go ahead and, and sit at my feet. Be with me. Take my yoke, it's light, and, and it's easy. Uh, what does enjoyment of Jesus look like even when you don't uh, feel it? That's a great question because we can even make it enjoyment um, a, a feeling thing as well. Uh, I, I would say that there's not a real easy answer to this, um, that enjoying Jesus just requires you uh, being, being with him. Um, the same way that I know antibiotics are not always the solution but uh you don't you don't feel like you're getting better necessarily when you're taking an antibiotic sometimes it's slow and yet it's killing things in you to help remove that thing and and sitting with jesus sitting with jesus and and saying i want to enjoy you i want for all the feelings to be there i want i want to to feel committed to you i want to feel like i'm fully in this completely um but until I feel that way, I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be here. I don't, again, for this, I, I don't see any other solution other than, than being with him, praying, um, fasting, saying, Lord, I want for this, this distance to be broken, uh, and I, I want to fast about this. Is there something going on in me that's causing me to not enjoy you? Is there, is there something, is there a sin in me that I don't see? Uh, that, that you want to point out? Is there something you're calling me to? That you're, you're, you're withholding something from me so that I'm coming to you in a new way to get this new thing that you want to give me? 
but but relationship with God really isn't based on on our feelings. It's based on work that he has accomplished in our place, the objective truth that we are new creation because of what he has done. Great. Um, I'm trying to, to read these and, and keep up with this, but um, if there's any other questions that you have, please put them in there. I'll give just a couple more minutes uh, to this. Brian, if you see any that uh, I didn't highlight, if you can put them in the host chat so that I see those highlighted, uh, that would be uh, really great. One of the things that's, that's key in, in all of these, these questions is that we can't get away from time. We can't just have a, uh, you know, read a few verses and uh, say a few quick prayers, um, but we have to build out, build out time. And if, if our number one priority in life, if our number one um, place in life is child of God, then we begin to, to build that. We begin to build our life around that. And so does it mean that you have to get up earlier? Uh, does it mean you have to stay up uh, later or stop doing things later? What, what does it mean? Um, we, we see Jesus getting away from everyone and like climbing mountains and, we, and they would climb mountains. He would just climb higher because he, he saw that being alone with his father was so important. So important. That if 2021 is the year... Um, that that God wants to um, reach other people uh, through you, then he's going to expand you. He's going to make more space in you for that. And to be able to do that, if you want to, to build muscles, uh, you're going to need to be at a gym or have a gym in your house and make space for your muscles to be broken and rebuilt, broken and rebuilt so that they, so that they grow. You're going to have to um, bring yourself to, to him and say, I want... I want for my capacity to be to be built larger so I can have more of you, not just for me, but for others, so that our city would know who this God really is. Um, the question uh, that came in, I'll end with this question. Uh, I often find I have trouble to discern between hearing my thoughts and hearing the spirits. Can you speak into this? Uh, yeah, we're going to speak into that in a few weeks. We're going to be doing a... Um, well, we're doing a series, which I'll speak about in just a second, but on the gifts of the Spirit. And one of those weeks is going to be on uh, warfare. And part of warfare is what goes on in your mind as well. And the Spirit speaking to you and you speaking to yourself and other things speaking to you and other messages that are being, being shared with you uh, is so important. And it just gets uh, overlooked. But what, what I want to share briefly, because I don't want to just put that off for a few weeks um, but I would share briefly that Paul says that he takes every thought captive. What does that mean? That when thoughts pop into our mind um, and we're not quite sure where they're coming from, well, we, we, we kind of pause time. We do a, a sci-fi thing. I just watched Tenet, by the way, uh, and we're going to watch it again and again and again because it's so wild. But to be able to somehow get into that time, pull out that thought, that idea, and put it there and be able to examine it. Who's this from? Is this, is this to build me up as a follower of Jesus or to tear me down? Right? If you heard the sermon today and you heard accusation, that is not from the Spirit of God. That was not my intention. That you can take that thought captive and say, why am I thinking this? Who is that from? And if it's from the enemy, then we destroy it. We destroy that. We destroy the, the strongholds and the high places where these thoughts end up creating whole civilizations against God. We destroy that. But if it's actually in line with where Scripture is, and we maybe bring that thought to someone else, say, hey, I was thinking this. What do you think about it? Does this sound in line with, with who God is and what he's done and who I am and what I should be doing? And they're like, yeah, that's amazing. Well, then you verify that that thought is beautiful. Invest it again and let it grow. But we take every thought captive. There's a real war for your heart and for your soul. All right, well, I mean, these have been helpful, I, I hope. Um, my, my aim this morning truly was not to overwhelm you. I don't know of another way uh, to do it. Uh, there's a resource for you online. That Silence and Solitude thing is online. 
um, for you to actually work through it. If questions are not helpful, scratch them out. Write your own and make your own plan. I, I really don't care. My heart and, and desire behind this was to say our, our goal is to end 2021 with hearts that are full of Jesus. And that can only happen through embracing and rehearsing the gospel constantly. And then what are the ways that we do this? Well, word, prayer, and community. And then these days of silence and solitude that can help to work through all of these different areas. So I, I hope that, that you're leaving full of Jesus. This isn't up to you. Jesus isn't more or less pleased with you based on um, how awesome your days of silence and solitude are. So I'm going to pray and then I'll just give a few announcements and then uh, we'll send you out and then, uh, then we, can, we can do life here in our, in our house again. God, thank you that you are a God that wants to overwhelm us, not with to-do lists, but with you. That, that these, these days of silence and solitude and fasting, I, I just pray that you would protect us against thinking that here's another thing for us to do, but rather we would see these as, uh, as doors, gateways, uh, portals into experiencing more and more of who you are. I pray that, that you would fill our hearts now with great hope and confidence and expectation. That, that 2021 would be a year of anticipation of what you're going to do. That we would expect that you're going to um, expand our capacities for our understanding, our, our engagement with you. We thank you that you're a good God that, that is always doing what is good, right, and true. And I thank you for this time that we got to have. And I pray that, that you would uh, be encouraging us as your people. Um, to be on mission in the city that it doesn't just end with our little days and and our disciplines and our time with you but that there are outshoots that there's there are other portals there are other streets and avenues and gateways into our city and into relationships where we get to show and tell of the great god who invites us into his story so we love you and we need you for everything amen